And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the last several weeks, uh, we've been talking about how God made Adam, mankind, male and female, and bound them together in a covenant in which they would celebrate a sacrament. And tonight, we're going to talk about the fruit of that sacrament. And Scripture tells us that this refers to Christ and His church. Therefore, the man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know, I cleaved to my wife, and we became one flesh, and named him Jonathan. If scientists were to break down his DNA, they'd tell you, I hope they'd tell you, yup, uh, this one person was made of these two people, he's one flesh, and so we are all uh, three persons, one flesh in the image of God. Chapter 1, verse 27, on the sixth day of creation, we read this. So God created man, Adam, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, this is the very first commandment in all of Scripture. Furthermore, it's a picture of Christ and the church. So understanding it is absolutely foundational to your Christian life. Do you get that, what I'm saying? This is hugely foundational to everything. But we really seem to struggle with the concept. We live in a sexually indulgent and promiscuous society that destroys the picture. A promiscuous society and yet a sanitized society which leaves us shockingly ignorant as to what all of this stuff means. In the poor agrarian society of Jesus' day where private rooms were a luxury, I think every child uh, was... Uh, involved in farming, involved in some kind of agriculture, and in that environment, I, I bet you any six-year-old would know about seeds and sowing, where baby goats came from, and where baby sheep came from, and where baby brothers and sisters came from. But we really struggle to make the biblical connections. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, on May 28, 1983, I entered into a covenant. And in the sanctuary of that covenant, I celebrated a sacrament. Susan and I strove to be fruitful. I still remember the night so well. We went right up to our hotel room. And we got to work. Now, I'm telling you, it was really confusing. It was kind of perplexing how to make fruit that was bewildering to us and and this was the best that we could do see this right here we made this it's a it's made out of like just notebook paper and then we colored it yellow with magic marker put a little leaf on it see it kind of looks like a pear right fruit well in the morning exhausted rather discouraged with our progress, we realized that we needed help. 
We need someone with more skill and more knowledge at fruit making. We needed an expert. So we went into town and found a professional expert fruit maker, and he helped us make uh, one of these. Look at this. How do you like that? That looks like fruit, doesn't it? See that? It's a pear. Anybody hungry in here? Anybody hungry? Who's hungry? You're hungry? You're too far back. Anybody hungry? Are you, are you hungry, Bill? Are you Here, try it. Have a bite of it. Go ahead. Take a bite. Take a bite. It's artificial. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you, he bit our fake pear. But, uh, you told me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but it just, it just didn't leave you satisfied, huh? No it's, it's, it's fake fruit. And Bill was hungry. You know, when you're hungry, when you're hungry, fake fruit is worse than no fruit, huh? Because you're expecting real fruit and you get fake fruit. Fake fruit is like a mockery of real fruit. It's lying fruit. When you're hungry, fake fruit is worse than no fruit. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, and temperance. You ever hungry for those? When you're hungry, fake fruit is worse than no fruit. Do you realize that with all of our knowledge and all of our skill, the world's greatest experts are entirely, entirely incapable of making one piece of fruit? Not even one scrap of organic matter. Not even one piece of fruit. Not one molecule of food. We cannot make life. And yet God says, be fruitful. Well, obviously, fruit in Genesis 1 is a reference to persons. And so obviously, I'm just teasing about my honeymoon night. We actually did go up to our hotel room and immediately went to work with the serious business of making a person. Now, I know that this topic has been challenging for some and for good reason. But I take God's commandments extremely seriously, and we need to understand them. Some of you may have seen this, but we'll see it again. Uh, it's that important. I set up a camera, and we made actual footage of our first attempt at making a person in our own image and likeness. Now, don't be alarmed, because Susan looks the same in this footage. However, I kind of comb my hair different. But this is footage of us attempting to make a person on our honeymoon night. Go ahead, Nathan, roll the footage. This is the moment. Well, dear, are you ready? Yes, Doctor. Elevate me. Now? Right here? Yes, yes. Raise the platform. Oh, the platform. Oh, that, yeah, yes. Tonight! We shall ascend into the heavens. We shall mock the earthquake. We shall command the thunders and penetrate into the very womb of impervious nature herself. Get set, go! 
Remind you of church. A preacher yelling at a bunch of zombies. Live! Live! Life, I tell you! Bear fruit! Have life! And so the zombies get up and walk out and pretend to have fruit, even though they feel dead inside and crave the life of the living. <laughs> Do you see my point? With all our biology, with all of our psychology, with all of our theology and ecclesiology, with all of our knowledge of good and evil, we can at best make fake fruit and hang it on monsters. Hello, my name is Chucky. I love you. Would you be my friend? <laughs> Kind of creepy, huh? Does church ever feel creepy to you? <laughs> well, the greatest experts, the most brilliant scientists that we can come up with cannot make one piece of fruit. However, farmers, even little children, can grow fruit, multiply fruit, but the way they do it, it is entirely counterintuitive. First, they take one of these. See that? See that? That's a seed. Just a kernel of corn. In Sunday school, they used to give us beans, and we'd plant them in these styrofoam cups because, you see, seeds turn into plants. And plants produce fruit that are more seed, and they're absolute marvels. In fact, you know, in Norway somewhere, they're coming up with this international seed vault on some Arctic island, uh, multi-million dollars. Seeds are that important. They make food, and yet they are food. We wealthy modern Americans forget that. You know, in the 60s, the Peace Corps was uh, discouraged to find that these vast shipments of seed, kernels of corn, were not making it to the fields for planting because the indigenous people, the hungry people, were eating them. And that makes perfect sense. Because what you do with seeds is entirely counterintuitive. You know what you do with seeds? You bury them in dirt. That's what you do with dead people, dead bodies. You bury them 
in dirt. That's weird. First you take one of these amazing, wonderful seeds, and then you bury it in dirt like that. Dirt. And not just any dirt. I mean, really dirty dirt. I mean, full of decaying matter. Even better if it's loaded with crap. Do you ever feel like a bag of dirt? Do you? Do you ever feel like a, like a piece of crap? And then your wife says, Honey, it's time to go to church. And what do you do? You hide the dirt, bury the crap, and you fake. You fake a bunch of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You fake some fruit even though you feel like crap. But to grow food, food or fruit, <laughs> you have to put the seed in the soil. So to hide the soil is to reject the seed. To grow fruit, you have to put the seed in the soil, and not just any soil, tilled soil, chopped up soil. You would think that you might need to protect the soil, you know, make it hard and impervious, but to prepare the soil, you just plow it to pieces. You break it into tiny bits. Do you ever feel like you've got to get your, your crap together in order to go to church? Well, to grow fruit, you have to bury the seed in broken soil. And then just let it be. Let it be. You see, a farmer has to have a whole lot of faith. Not faith in himself, but faith in the power of the seed and the productivity of broken soil. If he doesn't have faith, he'll never sow the seed. He'll eat it. Or maybe put it in a vault or a barn because when you sow a seed, it's like the seed dies. We don't get that in our modern society. But imagine a, a first century hungry farmer holding in his hand dinner and then having to bury it in dirt and wait till spring. That takes faith. If the farmer doesn't have faith, he'll never sow the seed. And, and even if he does sow the seed, he'll dig it up in fear. Remember in Sunday school when you buried your bean in the styrofoam cup full of dirt and then went home and dug it up? <laughs> or maybe you put it in your garden and you go out and check it, worried uh, about the seed, worried about its growth. You'd try to measure the fruit, and what would happen? You'd, you'd kill the fruit. Do you ever just hate the fact that you don't love because that's like a fruit of the Spirit. Do you ever get really sad that you just don't have more joy? I do. Do you worry, stress out that you don't have peace? Are you impatient with your growth in patience? You know, the more you, you worry about fruit and try to force the fruit, it seems like the, the less you have. But if the farmer just buries the seed in the soil... And walks away, the seed turns into a plant, like a tree, 
And the plant or tree takes the dirt and the crap and the soil and mixes it with light and turns it into fruit, bearing even more seed. But to sow the seed is to lose control and have faith. It's to witness a death and then trust in a resurrection. So the psalmist writes, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, in this world, the sowing and the reaping, the sorrow and the joy, they don't normally happen at once, right? But Amos prophesies a day when, quote, the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed, so that in that day, the sowing will be reaping and the reaping will be sowing. The losing will be finding and the finding will be losing. The giving will be receiving and the receiving will be uh, giving. Like sowing seeds in a garden of delight, a glorious dance of love and life. And that kind of reminds me of how human fruit is made. That taste of Eden in this fallen world that we talked about last time. And, and that kind of reminds me of the communion table. You know, on the earthly side of this table, there's incredible sorrow as the Son of Man is sown like a seed into the heart of the earth. But on the other side of the table, just incredible joy. The marriage supper of the Lamb as all creation is consummated in absolute ecstasy. Well, if you didn't follow all that, don't worry, just get this point. The greatest scientific experts, okay, can't even come close to making a single fruit. And they certainly can't make human fruit that is a baby. At best, they can only produce a monster, like Dr. Frankenstein. You know that even a test tube baby isn't a man-made baby, not even close. The scientists still have to take the egg from the mother and the sperm from the father. And check this out, that word sperm and the verb spermiate, you know, those words actually appear in Scripture 366 times. I, I counted. And, and yet you don't read them because they've been sanitized and translated out as words like seed and sow and offspring. In fact, the Greek word for seed is sperma. Did you know that Jesus is the sperma of Abraham in both Greek and in Hebrew? The, the words seed and sperm are, are, are one word, the same word. So any child in Jesus day understood that Adam plants his seed in the womb of Eve the same way that a farmer plants his seed in the broken soil of the earth. And that's how we become fruitful and multiply. At its best, it's like dying yet living, losing yet finding, giving yet receiving, and in that place of broken soil and dirt, life is conceived. In that place of passion, confusion, and seeming chaos, a seed is implanted. And it's entirely 
counterintuitive. And if you try to dig it up, if you try to measure it, judge it, force it, and control it, you, you kill it. Or him, or her. You know, Susan and I tried like crazy to have kids for a year was the best year of my life. <laughs> and it was the worst year of Susan's life. And there's spiritual significance to that. You see, and it wasn't just me. It was so bad for her because she was desperate to bear fruit. And so she sees control. I mean, it was work, 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 work. And a, a friend of ours uh, got pregnant at the time, a friend who didn't want to have a baby and shouldn't have a baby. And Susan got really angry and her heart got hard until her heart finally broke. And she surrendered her heart, her broken heart to God, and she gave up on manufacturing fruit. And then, well, then she just made love to me because she wanted to her groom, just because she loved me. And then she got pregnant four times. <laughs> now listen really, really, really closely. I mean, I really want you to hear this. If you want to have a baby and can't, I'm absolutely not saying it's your fault or that you have a hard heart. and In fact, in Scripture, it's barren women who seem to be God's absolute favorites. Sarah, Rachel, the mother of Samson, Manoah, Hannah, Elizabeth, and, and it's not their fault, but into their broken hearts, God speaks His Word, which bears astounding fruit, even the Messiah. Sing, O barren one, prophesies Isaiah, who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. So if you're childless, I'm not saying it's your fault at all. Not your fault. But I am saying you may be more fertile than anyone in this room. Surrender your broken heart to the Word and one day you will see fruit beyond your wildest imagination. And this is my point for all of us. You can't bear fruit by trying, by seizing control, by human effort. Just like you can't decide, dang it, I'm going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. A tree doesn't grow fruit by trying. <laughs> Peace! I gotta have peace! I'm stressing! I try harder to have peace! Patience now! Doesn't work that way. It's not how a tree grows fruit. It's not how you get pregnant. And once you have kids, that's not how you raise them and shape them. Look at how God does it. Number one, He creates space for freedom. Number two, uh, like a seed into soil, God breathes his spirit into dirt, into dust, and make Adam, makes Adam. Number three, he allows Adam to fail. And number four, he then speaks his word of grace, Jesus, who descends into Adam, completes him, completes mankind in God's image. You know, if you simply control kids with rules and laws, 
you may get some fake fruit. And you'll probably produce a monster. But give your kids space to fail and, and then speak words of grace like seeds into broken soil and oh, I bet you'll probably grow a person in the image of God. One who loves in freedom. You know, Jesus taught that the Word of God is seed. He said, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they're life. And Paul writes this. He says, you are God's field. God's georgion, his plowed field. That's what it means. His tilled garden. We receive God's Word into broken hearts and they bear fruit, which is more seed. Matthew 4.26, Jesus said this, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The seed sprouts and grows, and the farmer knows not how. If, if the farmer says he does know how, it's probably not real fruit that he's growing. You know, there are millions of, of books written by experts on how to grow spiritual fruit and how to grow the church. But if they understand how, it's probably not the fruit of the Spirit that they're growing. It's probably not the church of Jesus the Christ. Those things may grow attendance, bank accounts, and facilities, but that's not the church. You know, it is extremely rare to find a book that advocates the church growth methods suggested in Scripture because, you see, it is entirely counterintuitive. Well, Jesus said God's Word is seed. And Scripture tells us that God's Word is Jesus. He is seed. And Jesus said He would build His church. John chapter 12, verse 23, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He was speaking of being lifted up on his cross. And then he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, when you come to the table dirty and broken, and you receive his body and blood, you receive eternal seed into your barren garden, your desolate womb, and then you bear fruit that is in turn seed for others. You actually bear Jesus in yourself and in others. He is the seed, and he is the harvest. He is bread and wine. He is body and blood. He is the harvest of the earth in the revelation. And you're the bride. You're the bride of Christ who becomes Mother Church, the woman in Revelation 12, the Jerusalem above, the mother of the body of Christ. And in Luke 11, this woman yells out to Jesus. You may remember this. This is this really weird verse. She yells out, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And then Jesus says this, Blessed rather are those hearing the word of God and keeping it. That is, blessed are those 
receiving the seed. For they are the womb that gives birth to me. That's incredible. Mary, mother of God, mother of Jesus. That's amazing. But for now, but for now, that's just too weird. Just get this. Do you understand that the strategy for multiplying fruit and babies is remarkably different than the strategy for multiplying everything else? You you got that? In other words, the strategy for multiplying living things is remarkably different than the strategy for multiplying dead things. And so we need to decide, is the kingdom of God a living thing or a dead thing? Is the church of Jesus Christ a living thing or a dead thing? If it's a dead thing, we need to call it an institution or a school or a business and treat it as such and stop referring to it as a body or a bride because that creeps people out. You know, they come to it and it looks like it's alive and then you get close and you realize it's really dead. That's creepy. But if the church is a living thing and we're supposed to multiply it somehow, well, then we're like brides and mothers and farmers and husbandmen. <laughs> How do you say that? And then first and foremost, we need to have faith in number one, the power of the seed, and number two, the productivity of broken soil. You know, a farmer multiplies living things, seeds. And yet a farmer does also multiply dead things, tractors and barns and stuff like that. You see, I'm not saying that man-made things like tractors and barns are bad. I'm just saying... They only matter insofar as they serve the fruit, which is the seed, the living thing. As a preacher, my job is to scatter the seed, to preach the word. That's your job as well, to proclaim the gospel, to spread the word, scatter the seed, even become seed incarnate. A couple weeks ago, I went to this conference on church leadership that some friends were leading. We heard about growth strategies, management schemes, program structures, how to become an expert at all those things and then measure the results. And then we sat around these tables and discussed how successful we had been. Ooh, that was painful. Because see, three years ago, I would have been the superstar at my table. But now, time after time, well, yeah, I kind of failed at that. Suck at that. I was bad at that. Didn't succeed at at that. And please understand, all that knowledge, all that skill is really valuable. Just like a conference on barn building is really valuable for a farmer. But if a farmer has to choose between a new barn and and seed, well, it takes a really confused farmer not to pick the seed over the barn. Well, the conference was was painful, and, and then one afternoon it hit me. I realized that the success of all these human strategies and techniques was 
measured by their ability to keep the leader from getting crucified by those he sought to lead. In other words, it was all designed to keep the seed out of the soil. And by that standard, Jesus was the world's greatest failure. And yet we know that he was God's greatest success. You know, they wanted, to gr- Jesus, to, they wanted Jesus to grow the nation of Israel. You know that, by forming an army and overthrowing the Roman Empire and establishing a worldly government. But Jesus did something that was entirely, absolutely counterintuitive. He went to a tree, a skulon. He went to a tree, and we'll talk about this more, but he went to the tree of law. And he was nailed to that tree. And his life became the fruit of that tree. His life, his body and blood is seed. It falls into broken soil and produces an entire new creation, the harvest of the earth. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. You know, both Hosea and Zechariah prophesy a day when Israel would be sown among the nations. I think maybe we've been sown in downtown Denver. A couple years ago, my wife had this vision. She gets these weird visions and was in church. She saw a field and just dirt. And then out of the dirt grew the most beautiful flower she'd ever seen. And then that flower wilted and died and returned to the dirt. And then she saw nothing but dirt. For a time. And then a green stalk breaking free, reaching for the sun. See, the first flower had gone to seed. Good, but gone to seed. I just think maybe the sanctuary is a seed that's been sown. And now we're being called to bear fruit, which is, in fact, more seed. But it's absolutely critical that we understand what fruit is and how it's born. We're about to have a congregational meeting. Did you know that? We'll talk about tractors, barns, buildings, budgets, stuff that that we can do, and, and, and it's, all, it's all good, it's all important, but it's not fruit. And if we think it's fruit, if we think that's what church is, we'll only produce a monster. You see, a bride can't make herself pregnant no matter, no matter how long she stares in the mirror, no matter how hard she tries to get her crap together, she cannot make herself pregnant. A bride bears fruit by surrendering her shame and delighting herself in the love of her groom. The church gets pregnant when she confesses her sin and delights herself in the grace of God in Christ Jesus, her Lord. In other words, we'll only bear fruit if we worship. Worship is a tilled field, tilled field. 
Worship is a broken heart. It's soil that receives God's word, who is mercy. And so, on that day that he was betrayed, the day he went to the tree, when the earth was tilled to perfection, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body. Take and eat. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is uh, the blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of many. Take and drink. We are bound in a covenant in which we celebrate a sacrament and produce fruit that is life, even though we don't know how. Covenant, sacrament, fruit. And if we reverse that order, if we turn that order around manufacturing fruit to produce some kind of sacramental experience in order to make a covenant, we become a monster. We literally become the beast and the false prophet out of the book of Revelation. We become the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We become human religion, and the world just does not need any more of that. So, bride of Christ, let's pray and surrender our garden. Jesus, um, this feels so weird in some ways, but you said you are the groom and we are your bride. And Lord Jesus, we confess that we have tried so hard to produce fruit with all of our skill, with all of our flesh, with all of our human energy, with that knowledge from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we've tried to make ourselves good. And we've failed. Our hearts are barren, Lord Jesus. Our souls are desolate. And we long for you. Take a moment and right now surrender your heart to Jesus. Some of you have sorrows that you need to tell them about. Some of you have sins that you need to confess. Confess them.
Now listen. You are a broken field, an empty womb. Now receive the word of the Lord. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring, your seed, will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and, and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more for your maker is your husband the Lord of hosts is his name the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer and so tear off a piece of the bread dip it in the cup the lighter cups are juice the darker cups are wine and then take the seed and place it in the broken soil that is you. Believe the gospel and worship. Amen. So it's the first commandment. Be fruitful and multiply. And how you do that is entirely counterintuitive we're the bride he's the groom well, that stresses us out sometimes because the evil one has messed with all of our pictures and destroyed our images but you see the way God bears fruit is entirely delightful when we surrender to him in worship, he fills us with his spirit and bears the fruit of his Holy Spirit, the fruit of life, and that's how we become fruitful and we multiply. If we do it any other way, we create a monster. So believe the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.